0: This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church, and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode we have questions from Susanna, Noah, Sam, Caleb, and Josiah. First, we'll tackle a few serious questions, then we'll look at this episode's big question, and as always, we'll wrap things up at the end. A few fun questions. So let's start with a couple of serious questions. Today we have questions from Susanna and from Noah. Here's Susanna's question Why are we considered brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, you know, one of the funny things about the church is that it's the only place I can think of where a person can be, uh, at one and the same time, both a stranger and a sibling. I mean, you might never have been introduced to this person before, and somehow he is your brother in Christ, or she is your sister in Christ. And Here's the thing. It's not just that we call these people, these strangers, brothers and sisters, it's that they really are. Because spiritually speaking, we all have the same father. So Think of it this way when God the Father saves us, He adopts us into the family. So Jesus is His Son, and we become the brothers and sisters of Christ. Now, that's why the Bible refers to us as Jesus's fellow heirs. It means that everything that a son would inherit from a father, we inherit along with Jesus. Now, the Westminster Confession has a whole chapter devoted to the doctrine of adoption. It's a short chapter, but it's a really good one, and it's worth reading to understand the idea of having brothers and sisters in Christ a little bit better. Now, Noah asks, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Now, this question is going to be hard to answer, Noah, because in all the paintings of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve are standing behind shrubs. It's almost like they know that we're wondering if they have belly buttons, and they really don't want to tell us or even give us a hint. So they're standing in the bushes, standing behind foliage just to confuse and frustrate us. And the Bible doesn't actually say anything about this. We know that God made Adam from the dust somehow, and that somehow he made Eve from Adam's rib, but there aren't a lot of technical details or notes on whether the first humans were different from us, and if so, in what way. I guess the argument against belly buttons would be that your belly button is where the umbilical cord connects a baby to the mother, And if you were made out of dust or from a rib, then you don't seem to need an umbilical cord or have an umbilical cord to cut and thus no belly button. But you know what? I find myself leaning more toward the pro-belly button camp. And actually, that's a really weird thing to say out loud now that I think about it. But here's what I mean. So although there's no way of knowing for certain, I feel like God made Adam and Eve to reflect the way human beings were going to be. You might think of it this way. If you'd met Adam the day after he was made, would he have looked a day old? I don't think so. He was an adult human, even though he wasn't even old enough to go to kindergarten. So in that sense, he was made to be what human beings were going to be on an ongoing basis. Now, Eve, when you think about her, she came after adam but but remember after he had taken the time to name all of the animals and that probably took a while so you start wondering was was adam a lot older than eve by then and it's kind of hard to say really because time existed before sin but all of the negative effects of aging wouldn't have existed before sin and death entered into the equation so things were Different. And all I can say is that things may have been very different in the garden to what we're accustomed to, but the Bible says very little about the details. So we just have to make assumptions. And my assumption is that Adam and Eve were made to be representative human beings. The Confession of Faith calls them our first parents. And so if we'd been able to see them, we'd recognize them for what they were right down to the belly button, always assuming that they weren't standing behind one of those shrubs. Now it's time for the big question. This week's big question comes from Sam. It's all about dinosaurs. Were dinosaurs before, during, or after Bible times? Now, a lot of what I just said about Adam and Eve is going to be applicable to this question, too. Uh, Let me just make a couple of points up front. So, first of all, the book of Genesis, where we learn about the creation, was written by Moses. Now, he may have used earlier documents, earlier stories that he was aware of, But he was writing a long time after the events that were described in Genesis took place. So the story of Abraham, which he records there, happened much earlier than his lifetime. And the first 11 books of Genesis happened a long time before the story of Abraham. So you just have to keep that in mind. Moses is looking back into the distant past, and he's recording the most important things from that moment. Now Moses wrote as the Spirit moved him, but the reason why some things are written down and others weren't included was that the Bible was written to include everything necessary for our salvation. So things that were important to the story of redemption, those things are included, but there are a lot of things that it would be really interesting for us to know, and they're not written down. In the big question, we've seen a number of these little mysteries come up over time. And this question about dinosaurs is going to be one of those things. So, does the Bible say anything about dinosaurs? Well, some people would tell you that it does, and others would say that it doesn't. Now, the reason why it's so complicated to answer that question is because the Bible, if it did talk about dinosaurs... Wouldn't use the same words for a dinosaur that, that we would use because those words didn't exist. So if the Bible did speak about these things, it would speak about them in different language. Now the Bible does mention some creatures that that we don't really understand the exact identity of. For example, there's one called Bohemoth, and there's one called Leviathan. Well, some people are convinced. That behemoth and leviathan must have been names for dinosaurs. But to be honest, there are other plausible explanations, uh, other large creatures that these words could refer to, like, for example, whales. Now, there's another interesting line of speculation here. And this isn't really confined to the Bible, it's just something you see kind of in the ancient world in general. Modern people wonder if all of these ancient references to uh, mystical animals, like dragons, for example, could actually be talking about dinosaurs or at least reflecting uh, ancestral memories that were passed down somehow of the age of the dinosaurs. Now, the problem is, one person will find that really convincing and another will say it is absolutely impossible. And like a lot of these arguments, we're not always careful to distinguish between our theories and the proven facts. So with all that in mind, let's look at the specific question, which is where to place dinosaurs chronologically in relationship to the Bible. Should they go before, during, or after Bible times? Well, I think we can rule out after pretty easily. The history recorded in the Bible ends during the first century of the Roman Empire, in the 100s uh, AD, or leading up to AD 100. And dinosaurs didn't come after that. So we can definitely rule out option three, after. So with a similar kind of logic, remember the Bible begins in Genesis 1 with God creating the world, and everything in it, I think we can then rule out option one, which was before the dinosaurs came before Bible times, because dinosaurs didn't come before God created the world, because dinosaurs are part of the world. They're part of creation, and so they can't have come after the Bible, because I think if dinosaurs had appeared you know, after the Romans, we, we'd, we'd have some, some information about that. And and they can't have come before the world was created, which is when the story of the Bible begins, because, I mean, you know, they're creatures. So that leaves us with really only one option, which is that they existed during Bible times. Of course, the next question is going to be, where during Bible times did they exist? And that's the tricky one, because as I mentioned, apart from a couple of arguable places, they just aren't mentioned with any certainty. Now, depending on people's theories about the dinosaurs or about the Bible, they might place them until um, after the expulsion from the garden, or maybe they were extinguished in Noah's flood, or they might say um, there's no way to make the pieces fit. I don't believe that. There are a, a lot of unresolved questions like this, but there's one thing we can be certain about, which is this that the pieces do fit together, whether we understand the connections or not. It's true. Right now, we have a lot of facts that we cannot connect perfectly. But one day, we will see Christ face to face. One day, we will know the history perfectly. And then we will see how all the pieces fit. And I believe we will look back and understand how it all went together. Now, that hasn't happened yet, and so right now we have to live with some of these mysteries. With this current uncertainty, it's interesting to speculate. But it's important, as I've said time and time again, that when we speculate, we're careful to remind ourselves that that's what we're doing. We're coming up with theories because the Bible doesn't clearly answer the question that we're curious about. for our closing segment, let's take on some fun questions from Caleb and Josiah. Caleb has a question about my sermons. He asks, how many hours do you think you have spent actually preaching at one time, like one sermon? Hmm, now this sounds like a challenge, doesn't it? I'm just reading between the lines here, but, but don't you think it sounds like Caleb wishes that my sermons were longer? He's asking, how many hours do you think one of your sermons has lasted? Like he's encouraging me to preach for more hours, to preach as long as I can. At least that's how it sounds to me. Well, Caleb, I appreciate that, but not everybody feels that way. Did you know that during the Reformation or during the time of the pilgrims here in America, sermons did last a lot longer? They could last a long time more than an hour, more than two. Now, personally, I've never preached for two hours, but I have preached for more than an hour. The longest sermon I ever preached was a little over 70 minutes long. And everybody who was there was very polite afterwards, but they might've felt like it was a little too long. Now, I don't want anyone listening to this to worry. I don't plan to preach any more 70-minute sermons. I did that once. I've learned my lesson. Instead, I try to keep them under 30 minutes. And interestingly, there are people who tell me they feel like they're a lot longer than that. Now, Josiah wants to know about Jesus' family. Does Jesus have a wife or a sister? Well, Josiah, all the way back in episode four, I answered a similar question from your brother, Caleb. He asked about Jesus' sisters. And you can listen to that again, but to save you the trouble, I'll summarize part of the answer here. Although we don't know their names, there are some women in the Bible who are referred to as Jesus' sisters. Now, presumably, these would have been uh, daughters of Joseph and Mary. And of course, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, all of us who are believers become the brothers and sisters of Christ spiritually. But as far as whether Jesus had a wife, well, physically the answer is no, but spiritually the answer is yes, because the church is the bride of Christ. So all of us together in the church are, spiritually speaking, the bride of Christ. And in that sense, you could say that Jesus does have a wife. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Until next time, remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. So never be afraid to ask and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will always stand up to scrutiny. So until next time, keep asking the big questions.